Hi, I'm Brandon. Hi, I'm Wendy. We reread stuff. How long has it been since you read Sheep Farmer's Daughter? I think it was shortly before I decided to give it to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really remember the exact, the exact date. Well, I read it in March of 21, because you gave it to me, I think, for Christmas. Okay, yeah. 20. So it was like a quick check read to say, am I giving you something completely terrible <laughs> or not? And uh, apparently at that point I thought, not completely terrible. I shall give it as a gift. And did you read the trilogy or just the first one then? I just read the first one. So how long has it been since you read the whole thing? <sighs> Many years. Okay. But I'm going to potentially leap in more because, I mean, I think it was written as one long thing. So it very clearly kind of just ends. <laughs> and then the next one picks up. I, you know, looked at, you know, the next chapter or so. And it's like, oh, yep, we're just going to keep going. It's okay. Very smooth. Yeah, the March of 21 was my only read. <laughs> I think I read... Some Elizabeth Moon, maybe some sci-fi stuff when I was in high school, but it's been a long time. Yeah, I don't know that I've read anything else by her. I love this stupid book. <laughs> so I should begin probably with an apology to J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, yeah? Because I crab endlessly about like describing you know, all the stupid you know, fields and everything, but apparently if you march through the stupid fields, I'm riveted. Okay. <laughs> Well, Judith Tarr did say this was the true heir to Middle-earth. Oh, well. So, I mean, it felt like it at times, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's always had really boring parts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I didn't have to break that news to you. <laughs> no, no, much of it. And the, the trick is always when I start to get bored and scam, and like, oh, wait, that's an important detail. Because, of course, I have read this... I've read this many times. Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, okay, that's when they see it in that part. Uh, I do not know why I love this book as much <laughs> as I do. But once again, I was like, yep, it, it just did it for me. I, boring parts and all, I guess. It, I mean, there are stretches that are long. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to read this quickly, I think it, you'll notice it more. If you're reading like a chapter or a couple chapters a day, I don't think it would bother you nearly as much. Yeah. But when you're on a schedule, it is a, a little, okay, we're marching here, and we're marching here, and oh, hey, we've had a battle, now we need to, you know, have another battle. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. There are, there are really two sections like that in the book. Mm -hmm. Two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. The first march, and then the last stretch, where they're trying to catch the honey cat. Yeah. But there's, in between are a lot of great things. I mean, there are... The character moments with Pax are great. When you get interactions between her and Kanna and Sabin and Stamol and uh, you get just a little bit of the Duke in this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I probably cling to those. Mm -hmm. There's just a couple things that I find really interesting about this book. And uh, I think that it's remained the same throughout. It's probably changed a little bit like just in terms of like maybe tone or particulars so I know that when I first read it I probably just liked it that there was like a kick-ass you know like woman hero and I thought it was cool that she wasn't interested in romance or sex I thought that was cool so you know I remember liking those parts and now I mean, still like those parts but I think I also really like some of the just the, the choices that Elizabeth Moon made or I think uh you know, she's clearly, this is, you know, the whole collection, right? The deed of Paxinary, and it's, and yet, like, with that first battle, like, you don't even really see much of it, you know, just. You're so close in on Pax's point of view 
that you really get the the idea that she has no idea what's going on because all she can keep up with are the people in front of her and the you know the one or two people that she's fighting at any one time. Yeah. And I just I kind of like that. You know, I mean there's part of me of course that wants to know how, what did you do in that first battle to stand out so much? Uh, and they never really, you know, people are just sort of quietly impressed, I guess. And I liked that as a beginning, because I think that a lot of times the approach would be, let's hone in on every badass move that this person made, and instead it really does capture, I mean, I've not been in battle, thank goodness, but it just, <laughs> it, it, was a, it was an interesting choice, I think. Still liked it. And it was fairly consistent throughout, right? Like she would do cool things, but a lot of times we wouldn't we wouldn't see them. Or you got the sense always that there was a whole lot else going on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Which I also thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't read a lot of military fantasy. I mean, really, the only other thing I can compare this to is the Black Company, the Glenn Cook stuff. Mm. That is more overtly magical in the beginning. It, it has a very different vibe to it, but the the like ground level single troop kind of story mm. you don't get that a whole lot in that uh, at least not that I remember it's been a long time since I've read those uh, but it is a unique kind of perspective on all these campaigns that they're going through yeah, I liked that I've, the yeah the black company I think so I think my brother read this series before I did he's also huge like black company fan Mm -hmm. uh i tried just because you know if someone i uh know well (laughs) he likes something i'll try it out that one i didn't i didn't ever care for and i wonder i mean is it super grim dark is it yeah it's pretty dark yeah and yeah pax not so not so much no no there's definitely hope and uh, a lot more balance of the magical forces in the world where you've got definitely good gods and saints and there's some interesting things uh, with that in the book i had derailed you a little bit when you were talking about uh like the perspective like keeping it really close so i don't know if that was oh one of the things that feels real not just in a like a fantasy world but the number of people that die that's one of the common things that the black company has although it gets like on a much greater scale in the black company but i think in their first battle like eight out of their 20 die or something like that yeah and you know there's no shortage to the body count in this book but there's really only a couple that you super care about which are the ones that pack super cares about yeah yeah i thought and that might have been this so this might have been one of the first books that i read that did that kind of thing mm-hmm. you know like effa i think was probably one of the first ones like i'm used to named characters you know being around for a while mm-hmm. and i guess and i probably military stuff not like my jam really so i i probably wasn't used to maybe more savvy readers or more experienced readers would have would have caught that but i just remember like first battle right and oh oh Okay, sure. Like, clear, and it's the one of those like, well, duh, of course, lots of people, good, bad, and diff, you know, whatever, are going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was when, oh, okay, anybody, probably not Pax, because I knew that there was like a few more books after that, but but I didn't realize. And I think just the way that it treats it, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times, sometimes it happens off page and what we're left with of course is maybe the important parts which is how it impacts the people left yeah i mean the the two big deaths in the book are canna and Saban, 
and it is just absolutely brutal how long Pax goes without knowing what happened to them. And then when she finds out, well, they survived to get back to camp, but they died in the camp before you got here. That is just so harsh. And I really like the way the book deals with it. It is not something that is ever forgotten. I mean, Pax is absolutely grieving in the second half of the book. And it sets things up for the two following books. It really is the start of her becoming you know, someone who has a deed that gets recorded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just thought, sorry, I'm like, oh, I love it so much. And I, yeah, that's true, you can break it down too. This is like one long refuses the call, like in mm. so many oh, ways. Oh, absolutely. And man, I love it. You know, just like there's all of these things like, no, I'm not really interested in GERD. Yeah, I, I've never been interested in religion, no. Yeah, and just, you know, so, and just the waves, right? You get, what was it later on when you discover, it's like way later when she's talking to the marshal or the paladin or one of those things, and it's like, oh, yes, uh, her first contact was a a very enthusiastic but ignorant (laughs) follower. (laughs) Yeah, so you get the person who tries to convert them, you get the the people that are just around, and Canna, you know, with her, you know, the symbol, and all of these signs, and, you know, I think in different stories, someone would have said, ooh, power mm-hmm. Ooh, you know i want that and no she not into it well that's the honey cat mm-hmm. i mean you've got all of these dukes and lords and militia companies and they all have rules like there's rules for everything and i love that it bothers packs that there's rules for surrender like that's not how this is supposed to work you know yeah. heroes don't surrender well you're not a hero you're a mercenary yeah. and we would like you to still be alive and we don't want them to kill prisoners. We're not going to kill prisoners. We're going to follow the rules. It's, it's not war for glory. It's, hey, we got to count the beans and make sure we don't spend too much on soldiers because we have to fight again next year. And then you get to the honey cat who's not interested in anyone's rules, who is willing to ally with the darkest powers out there, whose people, that, I mean, just the people that you run into... There's the encounter in the basement when they're clearing one of these cities that they're, they've been going through. And, you know, Pax gets saved probably by Gerd because she, like, tripped or, or moved or something at the last second. And then, the, you know, there's the guy hiding behind the false wall and he's got the crossbow and they use the baby as bait. And it is, it's dark. Oh, yeah. But you get the feeling like that's not abnormal for the people that live in the Honeycat cities. Yeah, yeah. And I liked the way it was treated, I think, because you know, we we're so close to Pax. Pax is not going to dwell over the details. She's going to be horrified by what's happening. You get a little bit here or there. Um, it's kind of revealed, like, you know, that whole scene. I forget which siege it is, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the it's the little kid, right? And there's, like, the, he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I lost my puppy. And the sister's like, please, please don't take him. And Pax is like, no, like, look, we're not. <laughs> yeah, that's not us. <laughs> yeah, and then realizing later, oh, like, this kid could have been taken by the honey cat and sacrificed or tortured or both or whatever. And um, so you get that darkness and it isn't lessened at all. But also I appreciated that it never felt like it was really wallowing in it. Mm -hmm. Or I never got the sense of, you know, like that edgelord kind of nonsense. And so, yeah, I guess something that doesn't shy away from the horrors out there. But Well, Moon is a military vet. Mm -hmm. And while she didn't serve in combat because of the era when she served, I mean, she served in the late 60s. 
I'm sure she knew a lot of combat vets and spent a lot of time with them and probably drew details that ended up in her military fantasy. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and it comes up across, like, probably the sensitivity that you treat that, like, unflinching look. I absolutely loved, like, just the movement from, like, raw recruit as they go up. And still, seriously, like, one of my favorite moments still is that whole, you know, when they first, like, you know, walk into the camp and everyone snaps into formation. Mm-hmm. And it's so impressive to her. And then later on when she when the, she's told the <laughs> trick, yeah. I live for that every time. So as a reread, you know, I'm like, oh, wait, when does that happen? That's so awesome. But then just how, like, people make that transition from, oh, you know, you're not what was it you're a recruit and then oh you're not a recruit anymore you're a private whatever the rank is and mm-hmm. then you become the veteran and I just liked the way that you know they kept cycling through and I just thought that was really cool I love it <laughs> sorry I'm trying not to be like that but it's just a it's a neat thing I think it's because it's a perspective that I don't have mm-hmm. and because I really still don't like a lot of military stuff this is kind of like the dose of where I get this sure so it's yeah I like it a lot and it's weird because so many so many of these characters die mm-hmm. some of them have really kind of similar names <laughs> which makes it difficult and you know I guess I don't care about gender that much but like, wait a second like the pro- do they match like and they probably do but yeah that was one of the things that uh, I had taken a note about especially as you get towards the end of the book the people that you really or at least that I really remember uh, are the ones that Pac spends time with and you know you get to learn a little bit about there are so many captains and yeah. nobles and just other people the names might get mentioned a lot but it's like oh okay was was that the one with the magic sword was that the one who is in charge of the archers or whatever there are a lot of them and not a whole lot of time spent with many of them yeah and that's one of the reasons where it sometimes feels like it drags a lot i get that you know like tolkien right you I want to say throw, but I know that it's it's (laughs) deliberate, right? But, like, that is one way. This feels like a real place. It Mm -hmm. feels like... Also, I don't care, right? I I don't care where the towns are. I don't. Yeah, You know, so there's so many of those. And so it really does train, you know, especially on a reread. Oh, yeah, I don't care about any of this stuff, right? And sort of go through it. And that's, of course, when I do get, like, Spastor was like, oh, that's right. It was probably, maybe I should pay attention to the crossroads this time because I think it comes up again. And then I just still got bored in that section. (laughs) Well, I just looked. There is a map in the front of Mm -hmm. my copy, which I completely forgot by the time we were going to all of these places in the story. There's no, I mean, there's no scale on it, but it looks like they did a whole lot of marching. Yeah. Yeah. There are some real neat details in here that are more about Pax's background that I really, I'm sure I didn't catch. Like, even from the beginning, there's two swords over the mantle in the house, and one of them is Pax's grandfather's, and one of them is hers. There's not one for her dad, because he's just the farmer. Yeah. (sighs) And you get things like Pax saying that she thought she could just push past the guy that's assaulting her the way she did with her father. And there's a lot of little stuff. Like, birthbane is on the table at meals and available and encouraged. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of neat stuff in here. 
Yeah, and I love it. And I think that, so the beginning part, so that's in the Sheep's Farmer's Daughter, the prologue? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like a special thing because I have the, the ginormous yeah, the tome book. I do. Yeah. But I, that prologue. The, the well-loved fancy book, yes, I must say. Yes, <laughs> I did buy this copy used, but it, it my old copy looked much mm-hmm. like this. We just sort of thumbed through. But yeah, I like that. That prologue was great, I think, just because it's pride of place. But then you realize, oh, wait, you're a total jerk. And yeah, enjoy the legacy of your daughter. Uh, <laughs> uh, but And, you know, that's probably where it caught me just from the start. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I don't want this. I told you not to get a dowry for me and then just and not a lot of discussion just sort of well I'm out of here mm-hmm. and you know it was a struggle it's not like she blew it off but I just think that whole opener after the prologue I don't even I probably didn't need it but I mm-hmm. liked it and then and it wasn't long right just a very you know quick little setup okay cool here's her first steps she takes it and then I don't know I guess it was her first march but she like just runs <laughs> to like I don't know I, they said it but like miles and miles and miles to try to catch this unit and basically like on the stories of a cousin who joined <laughs> yep. who I guess you know I'm glad the cousin said something about hey be sure to look for you want a good company, and this yeah. is one thing. I mean, I think she would have washed out of an evil one pretty quickly, but sure. coming across that. So I just kind of fell in love with, I think, like that whole thing from the beginning. And and then just pretty immediately, like the, oh, oh no, I'm sorry. You're not just going to be waving a sword around. <laughs> Your first job is to, like, dig the latrine. And, mm-hmm. and then how that carries through, and I think was it, like, Stam or somebody, you know, how are you, how are you liking things? Well, I didn't think about camp work and, you know, pretty much all the veterans are like, yeah, you never do. Right. Loved it. Yeah. I like how the fantastic elements of this are really, you know, layered in very slowly. There's a conversation about a quarter of the way through the book where they're talking about dwarves and Pax has no idea that dwarves are real. Yeah. You know, I mean, She's from a place that's near the mountains called the Dwarf Mount. Doesn't matter. They don't have dwarfs there. They might as well not be real. Yeah. Yeah, just, and, yeah, it's a cool thing, right? Like, she has no idea about that. She Same thing with elves, or did she know elves were real? But She, she may have known they were real, but she'd certainly never seen one or interacted with one or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, and this really was, and just, I guess, what was it? The first time maybe you see magic, is it when she gets healed? Mm-hmm. That's pretty deep. Well, yeah, like after the first big battle, and yeah. um, so it was a, a nice little surprise. Uh, and also, I think like what's on like the expense of that healing had to be pretty amazing. Yeah, so, I think they said it, you know, like what it was in terms. But oh yeah, it, it, it was. They gave you some kind of a scale for it. I really like this book and the way it deals with the fantastical elements. Mm-hmm. The further I got into the trilogy, and the more it became not about the military and about the magic and the quest. I still enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I really had a, a better time with this first book than yeah. the other two. Yeah. I've read Sheep Farmer's Daughter, I don't know, five or six times. The other ones, eh. <laughs> you know, every once in a while. So I'll probably like check it out again because it's been long enough that I don't, I don't really remember the particulars, but I, I mm-hmm. kind of remember like a lot of the things that I really loved about it. Yeah, it did like kind of fall away in favor of other things that I didn't like as much. But yeah, it's been a long time, so yeah. I might check it out. But uh, yeah, so I'm trying to think. 
did not take notes, obviously. What? I know. But... Yeah, so, so the, the faith stuff I did find really interesting. I liked that, like, we didn't really know much about GERD until, like, way deep into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how we got different perspectives. And that just also feels sort of real and grounded in a way, you know, where, like, someone from the, you know, especially, like, in a world like this, mm-hmm. you know, where you might have someone like Effa, who, you know, like, has, like, very, like, oh, I'm just, like, she's in it for these cool stories, and then you get someone with maybe a slightly different, you know, but they're in the field, and then you, when you finally get to, like, the high marshal, and then the paladin, and they're kind of trying to, like, by that time, they kind of, like, everyone knows, right? Like, yeah. Come on, like, but just the approaches. So, you know, like the more, I don't know about intellectual, but like trying to say, okay, sure, like how do we, like he's not a god, he's a saint, what does that mean? Uh, you know, he's not, and just packs a sort of unsophisticated kind of like view of all this. And I just really like the whole thing. And then the paladin kind of like coming in thinking like, yeah, like theology isn't really going to be her thing. You know, like let's ease up on that. And I thought that was cool. And I kind of enjoyed that Pax isn't stupid, but if I were to make her a D&D character, right, intelligence <laughs> is not her main no, stat. No. Um, and I liked that, right? Because you don't have to be good at everything. So not just a, she's not just a stupid like instrument, right? Like right. I mean, she she thinks about stuff and wrestles with moral questions. I mean, you know, in a really practical way. But I also like that it, it wasn't the, like, Clearly she does great deeds, but it's not like she immediately has like some sort of like amazing grasp of military strategy or oh, is definitely not. automatically the best warrior that they've ever seen. Oh, she's always behind in a lot of different ways, but she is the one who never gives up, Yeah, which makes parts of the later books more difficult. And it's one of the reasons why you like her so much, right? You know, she's going to get beat down. There's going to be terrible things, but Pax will never give up on anything. Yeah, and she's so loyal, and mm-hmm. so I really like that. And just the, I think the, like, I know what's right, and her right is never, as far as I remember, a selfish right. No, I don't think so. I mean, you get the start of that the first time that they get to go shopping. And, you know, she buys Sabin his little horse pendant, and then, you know, they turn around and find out that, you know, he had her pick out the present that she <laughs> he knew she would like without telling her. And, I mean, that's when you should really know Saban is doomed. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. He's the nicest guy in the army. He's not going to last. Yeah. And then they bring back another guy with the same name as a dig. Yeah, that was was rough. And then she's got, you know, those little, like, starstruck babies. And she's trying to, you know, keep it together. I'm glad that she relented and at least explained. And honestly, I'm kind of glad that the kid only got, like, edges of that. Because it'd be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm sorry. Your name brings me pain. Every time I hear it, uh, but yeah, he was he was doomed. And then after a while, I just started worrying. The couple other ones that I kind of remembered the name, like I'm like, oh, oh, Vic, I hope you're okay. You're entertaining <laughs> enough. And I did forget. There's the guy that they pick up in the South where women don't fight, and he's. I mean, he's a tool at the beginning, but he he comes around pretty quick, you know, mm-hmm. once Pax beats the shit out of him in training. And I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. I can't remember what happens with this guy. He's dead on, like, the next page. <laughs> right? And I think she's she's pretty much like, eh. Yeah. Which, as you would, you know, no real, like... I mean, and honestly, like, even the people that were her enemies, like, she... 
didn't like hold a, a grudge. I mean, she was uncomfortable mm-hmm. around it. Oh, I forget his name. The poor guy who got drugged and, you know, was like the innocent guy. Like, I kind of uncomfortable right. around you, but I forgave you. But then there's the guy who was the jerk from the very beginning. And, of course, you know. I mean, sometimes, you know what? I don't want subtlety. So when that guy <laughs> enters and I'm like, okay, I know that, like, Jens or whoever and the guy with a K sound or maybe just a... Corin, I think. Yeah. yeah. Again, with the very similar names sometimes mm-hmm. I, mean, you, I mean you know they're bad from the start oh, and they're yeah. bad in different ways but I mean they're meant to be bad oh for sure they're there so I mean you, you get some sympathy for Pax and you learn that Stammel is fucking awesome yeah oh man I love Stammel <laughs> yeah he's, I mean he's great uh, I love a just a good sergeant character mm-hmm. you know I'm gonna I'm going to see good things in people. I'm going to see weaknesses. I'm going to try to get these kids through this. And then I love that they're changing relationship, you know, I mean, by the nature of just like the power, right? And like, you cannot be buds, right, with a recruit. But right. as they, you know, as it unfolds a little bit, I always like Tim's. And then, but then I, it's been long enough. I'm like, wait, does Stan will die in this one? <laughs> oh no, not Stan will. <laughs> so, so you guess, spoiler. Among spoilers, he doesn't. So. Yeah, that's one of the things that I'm I'm kind of torn on in this book are the point of view shifts mm-hmm. because it is almost all from Pax, but then you've got situations where Pax isn't cannot be around for the interesting stuff. So in the beginning, you get some Stammel. Later on, you get. Uh, maybe the the high marshal. I mean, there's a there's a weird flip right. to like the uh, yeah. It is the the high marshal's point of view where they're planning what they're gonna do, yeah. and Pax of course wouldn't be involved in that. And then you get the one to the guy who has been kidnapped and is being tortured. Yeah. Okay. That was wrong. That's too far. <laughs> yeah. So all that stuff, but well, they don't really. It's like oh yeah, they they do at least once, and it doesn't feel like. Uh, I guess I know. I don't know if it really happened in the George R. R. Martin uh, saga, but mm-hmm. uh, in the TV show, poor Theo certainly, you know, got a got a dose of that. And so I don't know if that happened in the book, and I didn't read it, so I don't know what kind of level of detail it got into. This one did. It wasn't ambiguous, but they didn't go through like all of the the details there. But also. I don't know what that was there for. I think we had a pretty good idea that the honey cat was bad news, right? I mean, that's really the only thing I can think of is like, you know, he's a monster. He will do anything to stay in power. He will threaten children. He will, you know, torture and maim people. Yeah. So, yeah, didn't need that. I think we had already picked up on that. And I'm sure you could have been... I can't remember if that's how they introduced the mark, like the tattoo that he had on his face. But uh, yeah, I think they mentioned that. You could have gotten that <laughs> in a different way. It would have been fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't like that part. And I think it happens a couple other times. I think maybe the Duke. There's, yeah, there's a number of them. And it's just, I'm sure as a writer, you're like, well, I want them to know this. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's clunky. I mean, you know. I'm, I don't know. I can't remember how much it keeps happening or if it keeps happening. In the, the later books in the, the trilogy. Yeah, it's been too long. I can't. Yeah. I only remember flashes of like certain incidents, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't remember. Does it get cl- closer in, or is it just more time with Pax? It is almost entirely Pax because okay. she leaves the service. Right, and then goes and 
oh, I won't treat you to like the, the few things I remember <laughs> from from the books. But but yeah, like so maybe you get you know more of the interiority, or is it still pretty yeah, much like no, Pax is like exploring a cave. Pax is yeah, I mean, uh, it, getting captured. It was all written at one and, time, right? Yeah, so yeah, true. There's not going to be a whole lot that's different. That, that's true. I don't think between them. Yeah. You could probably grow as a writer through a thousand some pages, but maybe maybe you need some time to make. But I did notice this time how much of the ending was really foreshadowing for what's to come. The honey cat would not have been caught without Gerd's help, and just all of the mentions and the different things that keep happening to Pax and the the help that gets provided, but. At the very end, she's like, nope, I'm not leaving. I'm staying with the Duke. Yeah. I'm not, gonna, not interested in Gerd. That does not last long at all. No, and it can't. You no. know, so it's one of those where I think as a reader, sure packs, right? <laughs> like I got my, my Marsha Brady face. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that everyone close to, you know, knows, yeah, packs. I mean, it's, it can't happen. Even the, even the Duke, I think. So there is something weird. And I, I, I just kind of have the vague memory of it between the Duke and Pax. It's something like she ends up looking like his dead wife or something. Yeah, and I think from the very start, they do see that in because people are kind of like, oh, she reminds us. So we yeah. don't know who that person is. It's And her, her name is like Tamarian or something. It's very, very similar mm. to Pax's, I mean, at least the Arian, you know. But <laughs> right. Oh, that sounded bad. Like, it's no, it's A-R-R-I-O-N. Uh, but uh, yeah, and so they do like see it from like way, way, back and I, yeah i think it is like dead wife and then maybe she was a in, like follower of gerd yeah and that's why and, the duke hates gerd I which think. is i guess people are do stupid things in grief i get it but sure. you know and i i can't remember because again i haven't read this in a really long time but i thought that at one point does the duke like kind of like get not sweet on her but like sort of a or is it a closeness? Is there something about it? I don't it? remember. I don't remember either. Or maybe it was just, you know, I'm trained to read these books and like any sort of like interest, which I think is hilarious because I'm also like absolutely fine with her being ace. Like, I'm sure. But I still, I think, was trained to like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, oh, maybe she's, de- I mean, I wouldn't have had the language, but maybe she's Demi. Like, who knows? But um, no. <laughs> so, and... I liked that. Um, and I liked that they didn't make a big deal about it, but mm-hmm. it was consistent. And I think that it was interesting that that became such a big part of her grief about Sabin. And it was awesome Stamel, right? right. Who, was it Stamel that finally had said something to her about it? or I don't remember. Well, well Stamel gets credit this time because okay. it's just great. But it might have Sounds been good. another character, <laughs> you know, that sort of says like, hey, you know, don't. Don't let that get tied up in your grief. That's not... He He was okay. Oh, that's right. Because he, he's like, we had that conversation about you. And then she obviously got a little uncomfortable. It's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have told you that, right? And it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, maybe not. Um, yeah. But it was, a, it was a really short, short thing. But anyway, so I think it's like the sort of like on the look for romance or like friendships or any kind of relationships. And I did kind of like it. I'm imagining that it wasn't like a, a big plan. I'm going to subvert these tropes because <laughs> that sure. really doesn't feel like what this book is. No. Definitely not. So, But I still, you know, there was excitement. Still looked forward to like just some sort of like set pieces. And I think for a reread, that's very much what this mm-hmm. is. You know, first of all, it's like some of the, the first moments with Pax and just enjoying her point of view. But then it's the, oh, I want to see her in training. Oh, I want to see her 
I mean, sadly go through like what she did, you know, to kind of uh, like her first major trial, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those pieces, the whole uh, fort and the run and Canna and Sabin. And um, so each, you know, each one. And then there's a lot of stuff in between that sometimes I found really interesting. You know, just sure. because, look, I'm never going to, I would never want to, I would never do that. Like, oh, like, cool. I get to imagine them being in this formation. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's real or not. She, she probably cares a lot about that, right? Yeah. Like, so, but just... Like a recruit, you know, sort of like, oh, you've got to get your cast, you got to get your patterns down, you got to know sure. that. And then I really liked, you know, oh yeah, there's where the pattern comes into play, and oh yeah, she she messes it up, and then later on, you know, someone else messes it up, and I, I liked like those those parts of it. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, it's it's one of those where it's like, you know, I, I kind of got the point about how much marching can really suck. <laughs> Thank you. I'm super glad that there was that one time where it was raining so badly there was a big hole and they had to fill it in. That was at least like, woohoo. That was at least funny. Because yeah. the, I, I can't remember, it's probably Stamel. And he's like, look, I told them if they didn't fix this, I was going to tear their wall down and fix it. <laughs> and they tear down the wall and fix it. And that was great. Yeah. And I also enjoyed it. I think if I had waited like five years to read it instead of two years, I probably would have enjoyed it more mm. on the second read. Sure. Just because... As I was reading it, there was enough of it still in there. I was like, okay, well, I think this is what happens, and this is what happens, and this is what happens. Yeah. Uh, I don't do a lot of skimming. I'm not very good at that. If I read it again, I'll probably read it slower and mm. maybe try and remember some of the people that are in it. Maybe remember that there's a map in the front. Right. You know, and see where they're going as they go there. Yeah, which could be, could be entertaining. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I expect I'll probably read it again at some point. It's, like, it's just a comfort read. Sure. I think I... Well, I probably read it when I was in college or something. I mean, but that would have been... I don't remember when it was published, but uh, but I probably scooped it up. Not like, you know, hot off the presses or anything, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so it's just, it's just a nice, familiar kind of thing, and there's probably a reason why, you know, I don't read the second you know, and third <laughs> ones, but I should probably, like, scoop that up, because I might appreciate it more now, or I might just go, nope, I still really enjoy what happened in the first one, and I'm... Well, they they have a very different feel to them. That's one of the things that I remember is that the the second and third books feel so different from the Mm. first one. Yeah. So do you remember, does Pax remain fundamentally kind of like like personality? Like the same? Yeah. So one of the things that I kind of appreciate, and maybe it's because I don't don't really read a bunch of stuff with paladins. Mm -hmm. I don't, can't recall... There's probably like an Eddings thing because it's, you know, like there's probably a paladin in one of those. Uh, sure. But, you know, I guess like I hear about like the stereotypical, it's kind of like, well, I don't know about like D&D or you mm-hmm. know, something like that where you see like the, oh, well, the cleric and the paladins are like the killjoys and the people who, right. and it's stupid because I haven't experienced that. But it's enough of a stereotype that it's in my head. So there's something like this where it's like, no, Pax is not like that. And honestly, that other paladin that shows up didn't seem like that either. And then I think about like the Dungeons and Dragons movie and how like that was a funny, like awesome take like sure. on the on the paladin. So I just think it's weird that I get all of these like different views of it. It's like, oh, it's almost as if that stereotype isn't a thing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I like the yeah, I like it, and I'm glad that it isn't. Uh, I'm uptight or I'm relecturing you, but also throughout the whole thing, a very concern, you know, about like what is honorable, what is good. Kind of watching the Duke veer off that path a little bit was was pretty pretty cool. Yeah. I say cool one more time. All right, <laughs> <laughs> but yay! So 
I did not have I had a good time. I did not yeah. have a miserable time reading this. So it was not miserable. Yes. No. A little long sometimes, but not miserable. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you're reading about marches, you know that's not fun all the time. <laughs> True. Oh. <laughs> Also, I need to stop like picking things that are like 500 pages or something. You know, uh, sometimes you just got to get the good ones out there. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Join us next month for Robert Heinlein's Tunnel in the Sky.